Now, I don't know if anyone knows about GLS. GLS stands for Global Leadership Summit, and it was a conference, or is a conference, that I've been to three times now, I think. I didn't get to this year's one. There's some people that did. They did it online, apparently. But each year, they run this conference, this summit. And it's a summit focused on the best of the best leaders around the world, best communicators around the world, sharing some revelation, some some knowledge, some wisdom that they have to impart to people, particularly in church contexts, but in other contexts too, about how to be amazing leaders. And so I went to this GLS and the idea of it is it's to inspire, to teach, to encourage, to equip, to challenge people on, uh, on their journey of leadership. But the last time I went two years ago, I actually walked away really discouraged. And I walked away really discouraged because I decided I'm never going to do messages again. I'm never going to preach again because I just do not cut it. These guys are amazing. These are worldwide communicators and the way that they just soften you and get you engaged and then smack you across the face with the truth and you're like wow it's just inspirational and I'm like compared to them I suck like I've got nothing to offer compared to these guys maybe we should just find YouTube clips and and we should watch them because they're such good communicators now I'm not sharing this story because I'm after your sympathy and I don't want anyone coming up to me afterwards going Matt I love you speaking in spite of the 27 times you said um like that's not what it's about But it does make us consider two particular thoughts that we have. Two particular thoughts we have when it comes particularly to us responding to God in obedience, to to sensing God's leading and God's direction for our lives. There's two particular thoughts that I think we've got to wrestle with today. The first thought is, I don't have enough. I don't have enough. I don't have enough patience, God. I don't have enough experience, God. I don't have enough time or money. I don't have enough abilities. I don't have enough faith. God, what, what if I fail? What if I look stupid? I just don't have enough to do what you've called me to do. That's the first thing. I don't have enough, God. The second one is the one that I was suffering from, and that is I don't have as much. I don't have as much ability as these amazing speakers, God. Use them, not me. I don't have as much. I don't have as much ability to be able to um, talk to strangers. I don't have as much ability to be able to pray. God, there's so many people better than me at these things. I don't have as much. And these two thoughts are really significant. And I reckon already you can relate to these two thoughts. I reckon already there's something inside of you going, oh, I've thought that recently. That's been in my mind when God's asked me to do something or when I feel convicted or challenged to do something and to step out. They're very real and they're very, very relevant to us as people. And I believe God actually wants to talk to those thoughts today. I believe he wants to help us understand and to put them in their right place. And, uh, and I really just want to unpack this today. And I'm going to start with... The guru of gurus, the famous leader of the Israelites, a mighty servant of God, a man whose story has been repeated over hundreds and hundreds of generations. We're going to look at Moses, this amazing leader of the Israelites. And we're going to look at at chapter 4 of Exodus. Now, just to give you the backstory, Moses has already witnessed and experienced a bush that's burning that's not burning up and a voice saying I am God in this bush I am Yahweh as we've been singing this morning 
So there's no confusion who he's talking to. And Yahweh, creator God, has shared with Moses his plan, his strategy. The creator of the universe has revealed to Moses his strategy. And this is Moses' response in Exodus 4. Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? He said, A staff. He's a shepherd, so carrying a staff is pretty normal. And he, being God, said, Throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses ran from it. It must have been a pretty scary serpent. But the Lord said to Moses, Put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it by the tail, and it became a staff in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. So here's Moses with just his regular shepherd's staff and he's, he's got it in his hand and God says, what have you got? He's gone, I've just got a staff, nothing else. And God says, I'm going to use it. Watch, watch and see what I do with it. Let's continue from down in verse 10. So that's plan A. I've got nothing, God. Plan B in verse 10, he says, but Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore go, I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak." But he said, this is Moses, right? Talking to God. Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he goes on to work with Moses in this scenario. God actually got angry with him. God got angry with Moses at not accepting his plan. At saying, send someone else, not me. It's an interesting response. We don't like the idea of God getting angry for a few reasons. One, is pretty powerful. Um, and two, we think that a loving God sometimes doesn't get angry. But I'm sorry to say he does get angry because sometimes it's the best love to give from God is to get angry. There's a common pattern that's happening. Moses with his staff saying, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. And God saying, what is in your hand, Moses? What have you got? I'm not asking you to have any more than what's in your hand. You've got a staff? I'll use it. Let's go. I've got a plan. Another example is Elijah when he talks to the widow and the widow says, I've got nothing. I've just got a little bit of oil and a bit of flour. And Elijah says, that's enough for God. Take the oil and the flour and we're going to create something amazing here. David has the same experience. They try to load him up with the shields and the armor of warriors. And he's like, I've just got a slingshot in my hand. God's going to use that. But the last one I want to settle on is a boy. And I think it's, it's significant that it's a child. Because a boy 
is in the midst of 5,000 other people where Jesus is speaking and people are getting hungry. And all he's got to offer is five little loaves and two fish. You can read the story in the Gospels. Um, John 6 is one example of that story. And all he's got to offer is this ridiculous little meal that he's his for the day. And this child offers it to Jesus and says, this is all I've got, but I give it to you anyway. It's a really interesting perspective. And we often compare ourselves. We often look at what other people are doing. We often look at what we don't have or what we could have or what they've got. And we forget what we actually already have that we've been given. As big or as small as it is, we forget what we've actually got. I heard this past week, Simon and the Beards, fantastic farmers, they shared some, some wisdom. Simon shared some wisdom with me. I didn't realise this, but I don't know if you know this either, but in modern farming, they expect around six times yield of what they sow. So if they sow a crop, they would expect about six times return on that. And that's with modern farming techniques. I don't know what it was in Jesus' time. I'm not a farmer, but I didn't realise that. That you expect about six times return. So when we see the parable of the seeds, and we don't focus on the other seeds, but the one that fell in good soil, it's actually really significant. Because a farmer would have been expecting, and let's say it was modern times, I don't know what they were expecting, but a farmer now would be expecting a six-time return on what they sowed. And yet, the parable says, and I'm reading from Matthew 13, 8, still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. Right? You didn't hear incorrectly. I didn't say six times. I said 160 or 30 times that was sown. How is that possible? The maths doesn't add up. The picture doesn't add up. Like the other scenarios where, where, where God said, what's in your hand? The idea of just having some seed and getting a hundredfold return does not add up. And the reason it doesn't add up is because we look at the wrong part of the picture. There is an important part of this picture that's missing. It's not about what's in my hand. I'm well aware of what's in my hand. I'm guessing you're aware of what you've got too. We often take stock take of what we're capable of, of what we can do well and what we can't do well. There's no confusion in that part. I've just got five scones and a couple of sardines, right? This, this is what all the boys got. Well, Moses is saying, I've just got an old stick that I've been using to shepherd with. The missing thing in the picture is God. And we often focus on what we've got. But I want to acknowledge and focus on the God component of the equation. Because in every single one of these scenarios, it's actually the power of God at work that does the amazing stuff, not the things that we've got in our hands. We've missed the most significant part. See, God is not calling you to do amazing things because you've got everything together and you are fully capable. He's calling you to do amazing things with him because he has everything together and he is fully capable. 
It's a very different picture. He's not calling us to partner with him because we've got our act together. He never called Moses when he had his act together. He never called David when he had his act together. This little boy didn't have enough to feed 5,000. And yet he said, what you've got's enough when you partner with God. It's actually the God component that makes it really significant and makes it substantial. I believe that right now, what is in your hand is actually enough. If God is asking you to do something right now, he's asking you or calling you to respond to something or to step out in a way or to speak to that person, he's not doing so because he thinks one day you'll have your act together. He's doing so because he believes what's in your hand is enough right now. And if he's calling you today, he's not talking about tomorrow. He's not talking about yesterday. He's talking about what you're capable of today. Because what you've got in your hand, combined with the power of an almighty God, is a combination that is very powerful and effective. What is in your hand today? Not tomorrow. Not one day. Not maybe. The possibility is phenomenal. The possibility is great. But we've actually got to be okay with what's in our hand. We've got to come to terms with that. We've got to surrender that and say, God, whatever is in my hands is enough. Because it's not about this. It's about what happens when I give it to you. I think we spend so much time looking at what's in our hands and thinking that we're incapable of doing anything with it. We actually convince ourselves out of stepping into things and trusting God with those things. We talk ourselves out of trusting God because of us. It's a twisted picture. It's a distorted picture because it does not reflect the power and the intentionality of a God that is on the move. I just want you to pause for a second and and put out your hands. Physically, put out your hands. I want you to look down at your hands. You can close your eyes if you want. You, You don't have to look at your hands, but hold your hands out. And I want you to pause. And I'm just going to pray very briefly because I I really believe the Holy Spirit wants to reveal what's in your hands. Wants you to think about what's in your hands. And there's going to be a part two. We're just going to pause for a second. Holy Spirit, I just ask you right now, Lord, just reveal to each one right now as we hold our hands out something about who we are that we already have, Lord. Lord, I just pray that you would just reveal right now something that we already have in our hands right now. Okay, can I ask who had something come to mind? Yep, brilliant, brilliant, awesome. In the room, people, yep, cool, awesome. Because I'm convinced you've got something in your hand, right? And if you haven't, I would really encourage you just to spend a bit more time thinking about that. The next step is saying, God, I want you to multiply that. Not because you're going to be able to do anything, but because with the combination of you and God at work means he can bring 100-fold to a single seed. That's not our doing. We put the seed in the ground and he multiplies it 100-fold. 
The equation is not our burden or responsibility to carry that multiplication. It's God's. But we do have to bring what's in our hand to him. We do have to be obedient. So I want you to hold your hands out again. You know what's in your hand now. And now I'm going to pray, and you pray in your own words if you want, but I'm going to pray. And this is a bit of a scary prayer because you're giving something to God to let him use it. Yeah? So you're actually surrendering that gift. You're surrendering that, that thing that you have in your hands to let God do something with. Yeah? This is not just a nice, comfortable thing, as Matt said. It's because God is going to multiply what we've got. Let's pray. Lord God, we acknowledge what we have in our hand. Every good thing is from you, whether it's small or whether it's large, whether we think it's significant or insignificant. We acknowledge what you have given us. And Father, we surrender it to you right now. That today, that this week, the things that you have put in our hand, you will give us opportunities to sow. You'll give us opportunities to invest. You will give us opportunities to exercise. And we surrender these to you that you will multiply them for your glory and for your kingdom and for you to be worshipped, Lord. Lord, we thank you for what you've given us and we ask you by your power, your might and your spirit to do something with them. In Jesus' name, amen. The maths is really simple. The equation's really simple and it's repeated in scripture. Moses did it, a guy that couldn't speak properly and just had a stick in his hand. David was just a, a young kid that was out looking after sheep. And this boy happened to rock up when Jesus was sharing and brought his lunch with him. The opportunity is phenomenal for us. And I'm super excited as we stepped in obedience in this space to see what God wants to do. I love the picture that Darren shared from, from the Beards family this morning of Isaac. Like, you think about the miracle of a kid walking. Like Isaac didn't actually do a lot to get to where he is. Like obviously he's grown. Um, obviously his parents have fed him and, and nurtured him. Good job, Simon and Michelle. Love your work. Good parents. Be encouraged. They've done their part. But the miracle of him walking is about life. It's so amazing to see. And the picture Darren shared, I think, is really significant for us. As we come out of this COVID season where we've been like little kids that have been fed and we're just getting on our feet again. We can just get out. We connect with people. We can make a difference in people's eyes. And, and I love the part of the picture where all of a sudden Simon and Michelle have to start moving the delicate things from around the house because they've got someone who's mobile now. Yeah, they've got to look up. They can't just look on the floor and see if there's an old, you know, biscuit that got left there that Isaac might put in his mouth. We've all seen that. They've now got to look a little bit higher. There's things broader, wider around that they've got to keep an eye on. And this is our posture. This is where we're at. We're about to walk. We're about to step out. We're about to have a, an AGM next week and, and, and share and celebrate what God's doing, but also look forward about what God's going to do. And, and you might go, gee, you know, he's just, he's barely on his feet. He barely can walk. But mate, 
You, you, you're looking at a, at a footy player, you're looking at a runner, you're looking at a, at a dancer. I don't know what Isaac's got ahead of him, but these first few steps are just the beginning of something phenomenal. And I believe God's got that for us as individuals and us corporately. I'm convinced that for each one, God has got things ahead like Isaac just starting to walk. We're coming out of COVID and, and we're just starting to walk. We're just starting to reconnect. I got to have breakfast with some people yesterday morning in a physical cafe. We actually ate a meal together, not looking at each other over a screen. This is just the beginning. But I'm super excited by what God's going to do when we trust him with what we've got. We've got to actually trust him with what we've got. We've got to actually give it over. So I just love to conclude by making this our declaration that we are not trusting our hands and what's in them. We are trusting those things to God in an act of worship and saying, God, you are the one that multiplies. You are the one that makes things grow. And as we step out in this season, as we step into obedience of what God's calling us to, it's you that we are putting our trust in.